Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Now, before we get started here today, let me... uh, address first over for the podcast people i know that you can hear my air conditioner in the background i'm sorry there's nothing i can do about that um last week i adjusted the podcast recorder to cancel that out and you probably noticed that the audio was really low so i don't want to go through that again this time and and have the audio be so low so now that that's out of the way, let us uh, let me say welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Now, over on the podcast, guys, like if you guys are watching this video on BitChute, Rumble, um, YouTube, wherever you're watching, and you're not listening to the podcast, you really do miss out on <laughs> a lot of great things that I do over there. Um, I just did uh, an episode entitled, Does the Ark Still Exist? But that got your interest, didn't it? You can go find that over on the podcast. You can find that on Bit- on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Pandora, um, lots of different places. I also uh, interviewed for people in Fostoria. I went down to Flippin' Jimmy's and I interviewed Matt James, the owner of Flippin' Jimmy's about uh because he's on the he's the co-chair for um the saint the saint wendelin mini fest because they are still doing the saint wendelin fest it's just on a much smaller scale i interviewed him on that because that's coming up uh, i believe next month uh, july i believe it is um it's all over there on that podcast episode um and i've did a couple other ones i'm um None of them are coming to my mind right now, but I've done like two recently. So go check all those out. Get over there on the um, on the podcast exclusives and listen in because you know I, I I have a lot of fun doing those, and I would well, I'd like for you guys to tune in and listen. Um, so, but that's not what we're here for today. Here today we're for our uh, we're over here on sermons in the park in the videos and also on our any Sunday sermon wherever you listen on podcast on the podcast or on video. What we do here is the book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse breakdowns, right? And that's what this is for. So before we get started, let's bow our heads and thank our heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful things that He's given us. Father, we come to you today once again, like we always do. Just to say thank you. Thank you for all the great and wonderful gifts that you've given us. You've given us the, the, the gift of breath. That we're able to get out of bed and walk around. You give us all these things. You give us blue skies. You give us rain. You give us birds. You give us all the different types of animals. Squirrels, cats, dogs. All these things are all gifts from you. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for this beautiful things that we see when we come, when we when we wake up early enough in the morning to see the sunrise, and we get to see your hand painting the sky with the beautiful clouds, all these things are gifts from you, and we thank you. 
You know, sometimes, Father, we don't take the time to just stand and admire your handiwork because the Bible tells us that nature, that just the things around us show us you're there. They show us your glory, and we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, all those years ago who died on that cross so that we can have a closer relationship with you. We thank you, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, if this is your first time tuning in, like I said, we do these book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse breakdowns. And this week, we're still in Genesis. So if you want uh, if you, if you haven't been pay, you know, uh, joining us here every Sunday, I invite you now to pause the video or podcast where you are, go back to that first one, and get yourself caught up and then come back here to where we stopped where you stopped and we'll just continue along because this week here we are in chapter 31 right and we've been reading about jacob you know jacob has gone and he's, he's met his his two brides um and he and they've had their children and this week uh we're here in chapter 31 where we're reading as laban uh laban becomes openly hostile towards jacob so so god tells jacob he says Go home to Canaan. He says, and I will be with thee. And of course, you know, his wives, being good wives, they agree and they tell him, whatever God hath said unto thee, do. And we read that Laban, he changes the wages that he promised Jacob. He changes it ten times. Even though God, is the, as we read, God suffered him not to hurt me. We also read about these uh, images, right? And I don't know if I mentioned it when we get there or not, but I'm going to mention it here, uh, even if it's like going to become a repeated thing. Uh, when I was doing some research into it, I read that these images, some people believe that the theft of those images was what secures Jacob. An inheritance, you see, in the uh, ancient texts of the the Nuzi, the gods were passed down as part of an inheritance, but heirs that do not receive the gods, they also participate in the division that was granted to you know the eldest son. Now, the possession of them did not represent an automatic claim. To an inheritance okay now it's possible that rachel taking these images was an extra precaution because remember here she was leaving her homeland she would not have legal claim to her father's inheritance and because of their envy of jacob's success okay Laban's sons, they grumble. They grumble because they see the depletion of their father's assets. And, of course, that would in turn hurt their inheritance, right? Jacob, if, he, if Jacob heard it, right, Laban did as well. And that aggravated him to the point of an uncontrollable anger towards Jacob. And sure, sure, that hurt. But when he saw that only Jacob was being blessed, he offered no praise, no gratitude towards God. So let us read, and uh, just to point out, this 
verse, you will notice this chapter is very long. And because of that, like you know, we usually do, it'll be divided into two parts. Um, we'll see where we stop when we get there. So let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 31. We're going to read the entire chapter, verse 1, all the way to the end, verse 55. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father, which was our father's hath, he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not towards him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and to his flock, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not towards me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. And he said thus, The speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, The ringstate shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ringstate. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ringstaked, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see, all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstaked, speckled, and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowed a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? And we are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured us also our money for all the riches which god hath taken from our father that is ours and our children's now then whatsoever god has said unto thee do then jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in padan aram for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, and that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face towards Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled, and he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed 
that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done, that thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly, and steal away from me, and, did, and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabrets and harp, and hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Thou hast not done foolishly in so doing. Or thou hast now, sorry. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take, thee, take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now, thou, though thou wouldst needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Peradventure, thou wouldst take by force thy daughters from me. With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into his into the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent, and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images, and put them in the camel's furniture, and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord, that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but found not the images. And Jacob was wroth and showed with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass, what is my sin, that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all thy household stuff? See it, there, see it here before my brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge betwixt us. This twenty years have I been with thee, Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams and thy flocks have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it, of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and, though, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction, and the labor of my hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, 
These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children. These cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters and unto their children, which thou have born? Now where, therefore come thou, let us make a covenant, I and thou, and let it be for a witness between me and thee. <coughs> and Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they did eat there upon the heap. And Laban called in, well, butcher this name, Yeager Sahadutha. But Jacob called it Gilead. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Gilead. And Mitzpah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives beside my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I have not, I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nathor, the God of their father, judge betwixt us and jacob swear by the fear of his father isaac then jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread and they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount and early in the morning laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them and laban departed and returned unto his place like i said long chapter right so what do we usually do, guys? We go back and we read that we read that first verse, right? And then we we break it down. So the first verse we read today, verse thirty, chapter thirty-one, verse one. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, "Jacob hath taken away all that was our fathers, and of that which was our fathers hath he gotten all this glory." It says, "And he heard the words of Laban's sons." The he there is, of course, who? Jacob, right? And the Septuagint and the Syriac versions both make that crystal clear. Now, he heard it with his own ears. Did he overhear it in their tent? Maybe he was out in the field? I don't know. Or he could have heard it from someone. Maybe one of his wives told him, right? Maybe she heard it. Maybe a friend of hers heard it. Either way, these are the sons of Laban here. And they were in committee. They were, they were taking care of the cattle that had been separated. Now the verse continues on to say, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. They mean everything, everything that their father had. And as we know, that is a downright lie. Okay, remember, they're taking care of their father's cattle. And later we see in verse 19... Laban is doing what? He's shearing his sheep. But here they are making it sound like Jacob had taken all of it, everything that belonged to Laban, and that he had taken it. And if not by force, then by some kind of fraud, right? So 
Jacob, he becomes afraid that Laban is going to treat him some ill way. And that it was time for Jacob to just, hey, I got to go. Now the verse says, And of that which was our father's hath he gotten all the glory. This is speaking about you know his servants, the cattle, the sheep, the camels, the asses, all of that. The, the, the places that worldly men place their happiness on. Their riches, right? Now, the Targum of Jonathan says the same thing, okay? And in a way, what they're saying is true. All that Jacob got did indeed come from their father's flock. But let's remember this. This was all according to the covenant that Laban and Jacob had made, right? It was obtained in a just and lawful way. But notice Laban's sons are not thankful for their own wealth. The wealth that, let's face it, they obtained through Jacob. They're jealous. They're jealous at the animals being separated because they saw God, once again, blessing Jacob. So we see these little <laughs> ingrates saying that Jacob had no legal rights to them and that he had taken them away from Laban. So let's go back to our ver verse 2 now. It says, And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not towards him as before. Notice it says he beheld the countenance of Jacob. So just by looking at Laban, he was able to see, you know, Laban just wasn't looking at him the same way he used to. So he knew what the sons believed, that, that Laban knew the same thing. So what did he think about it? What should Jacob expect because of it? The verse says, and behold, it was not towards him as before. Laban was not talking to Jacob. You know, he, he didn't blame him for stealing. He, he did not say that Jacob dealt with him falsely. But he was uneasy because of how his children were acting, right? He had a sour look on his face, maybe an envious look, sad, surly, disappointed, all those things. So Jacob knew this was not good. So he thought, maybe it's best if I just leave as soon as I can. And I also think that he went to God and he asked God, hey, what should I do? Like we see in the next verse. Take a look. Chapter, verse 3 now. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return into the land of thy fathers, and so thy kindred, I'm sorry, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. It says, And the Lord said unto Jacob. This is God, of course, answering Jacob's prayer. Maybe God just sees that, you know, Jacob's having a difficult time here. And he sees that, um, you know, he's able to see that he's discouraged, right? He comes to him and he, he gives him encouragement, instructions on what he should do. He tells Jacob, return into the land. This is, of course, talking about his home, the land of Canaan, the land that God gave to Abraham and Isaac. Back when Jacob was seeking to leave and at the end of his contract, God's timing is was not right, right? And now it was. So God tells Jacob, depart, 
you know, confirming, you know, that he, he assures him of his presence, right? So here at the end of another six years, <laughs> it was time to go. And the verse continues on, and to thy kindred, meaning, of course, you know, his father, his mother, and yeah, his brother, all of them, they live in the land of Canaan during this time. Well, all that were still living anyway. Because I saw where some translate it to be to thy nativity, meaning the place where he was born. Also where he's having the desire to go home to, right? So God assures him. God says, I will be with thee. He will be with him. He will protect him from any kind of injury that's going to come on him. From Laban, from Esau. You know, Laban had turned against Jacob at this time. So, so God's telling him, pull up stakes. Go home. Go home to your family. I will bless you. Okay? So let's now turn to verse 4, which says, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. And Jacob sent. So after God has encouraged him, and he's received directions from God, which it seems that he received while he was in the field. He must have been, right? Because he, he said we're, we're, what we're reading here, he must have been attending his flocks. He, he sends a messenger, you know, home to his wives. This could have been one of his servants. It could have been a shepherd, right? And the verse says, and called Rachel and Leah. Now, did you notice Rachel is once again mentioned first? Because she's his proper lawful wife. And she's actually called that when you go into Genesis chapter 46, verse 19. The son of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin, right? And she, she was the reason that he also had Leah. Let's face that. Jacob, he's prudent. He's, affect, he's a prudent and, and bleh, affectionate husband. I don't know why I had so much trouble with that word. He thought that it was proper to tell his wives what he was going to do, you know, what was going on. So he advises them. He did not want to leave you know them there or and he also but he also didn't want to take them away without telling them first so he sends for them and the verse says to the field unto his flock he wants them to come to where he's at where he's feeding the flocks now yeah there are several reasons he could have done that and i think he just did not feel right that it was proper for him to just go home i think that he just thought that it would be too hard to get them to go you know, into each other's tents as well. It was only right that they all get together and leave together. And that might actually cause some suspicion in the family as well. They could have heard them if they passed by. Not to mention, he might be afraid of Laban and his sons. He, he might be afraid that, you know, since... Since they are in such an ill temper, they might try to uh, violently attack them. So, like we read here, he decides to have his wives brought to him in the fields where they could all talk privately. You know, no one will overhear them. As well as he could make sure his flocks are not being neglected as well. Right? I mean, these are his flocks. This is where his livelihood is. So let's go into verse 5 now. 
and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not towards me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. Now, did you notice what it says? It says, your fathers, and then my father. The verse says, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not towards me as before. Not it may not have been on purpose, right? But this is a contrast. But it is very noticeable because it's their father that's rejecting him. Whereas the God of his father is accepting him. Also notice, no mention at all of the brothers, the sons of Laban, of what they had said. He doesn't say it. And the verse goes on to say, but the God of my father hath been with me. Not only was God with him, supporting him when he was in trouble, but he was also helping him, helping him to prosper, to succeed in all of his affairs. <clears throat> and he had appeared to him. He had encouraged him. Go home, right? In the next few verses, we're going to see Jacob explain it all. Jacob tells us, you know, how his service to Laban had been, how it had been met with these you know, changes in the wages. I mentioned that earlier. And these changes were intended to do what? To cripple him in his own enterprises. But you see, God intervened. God blocked the hurt, as well as overriding all the changes with the prosperity. So let's go on into verse 6. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. He says it right there, doesn't he? He says, and ye know that with all my power, I have served your father. Jacob did what was right. He served Laban and he did it faithfully. He did it upright with diligence, with wisdom, with prudence, with all might and contriving the best methods. He spared no pain day or night. To take care of Laban's flocks. The, you know, in case of his substance, right? To increase, I should say. He did it to increase his substance. His wives, of course, they, they would have bore witness to all of this for the past, what, 20 years. So here we see him appealing for the truth that there was no there was no justified reason for the way that Laban is treating him. God had made it clear, right, that all was not well between him and Laban. There was no way to uh, speak privately with his wives, you know, if, especially if Laban's around. So, like I said, he calls them away from the house so that he could explain to them what he planned to do. And, why, and not only what he's planning to do, but why he needs to do it. Just like we read earlier, Jacob had noticed how Laban is looking at him. He knew that, you know, hey, trouble's a brewing, right? He knew that, hey, this is his wife's father. And I'm sure we can all agree that he did not want to lose their love for him, especially over something like this. So he explains to them in detail, hey, I kept my side of the bargain even after Laban had tricked him over and over again, okay? So, let's get into verse 7 now. 
And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. So the verse says, And your father hath deceived me. Specifically here, he's talking about the bargain that they made concerning you know the cattle, which was after 14 years of servitude for two wives, right? It says, And changed my wages ten times. Now we know that it was ten times. But if you look through the Bible, the number ten is just used as a way of saying many times. So this could just mean many times. I want you to take a look at something with me. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 26. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. Or, who knows, who knows? Maybe it actually means ten times, because he does repeat it when he's speaking to Laban. Right? That's going to be down in verse 41. We know... That at this time, he served him for six years. That is what they agreed on. Where he would, you know, have all that were his. All these cattle of different colors. The ones that were produced you know, out of Laban's flock. We know that at first, Laban was happy. He was very pleased. Because <clears throat> he had judged that it was good for him. I, I believe that most likely... The first year, Laban didn't didn't try to change the deal at all. And what he did, he was watching, and he was watching Jacob's cattle increase. And after that, he decided, hey, I don't want to abide by that agreement anymore. Now I want to make sure that I tell you that sheep in that area. The Mesopotamia, you know, just like they are in Italy... They brought forth babies. They did this twice a year. So that tells us that ten times in five years they gave birth. Laban, he changed Jacob's wages each time. One time he probably let him, you know, only have the speckled, not the ring staked. Another time he might have given him the ring staked, but not the speckled. Changing it each time depending on what the prevailing color was. Now, we can guess this because of what we later read. When we get to verse 8, you know, Jacob says, But God suffered him not to hurt me. God did not let Laban hurt Jacob. He, he, he also didn't let him, you know, he also didn't keep him from his children as well. He also did not let evil be done to him because of his servitude, right? Laban, he chose which color to take, probably taking the color that, you know, he had the most of. Maybe all that were of a specific color. You know, no matter which way it went. Speckled or ring steak, okay? So, let's go into the Bible again. Let's go back to Genesis. Let's look at, uh, we're still in chapter 31. Look at verse 8. If he said this, if he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, 
then all the cattle bear speckled. If he said thus, the ringstakes shall be the higher, then bear all the cattle ringstaked. Notice it says, if he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages. So what's this tell us? It tells us what he did. Sometimes Laban would uh, tell Jacob that he could only have the speckled and not the spotted or the ringstake or the brown. Remember, that was all according to the deal that they made. They would all belong to Jacob, right? Then the verse says, then all the cattle bear ring speckled. This, that particular season, God would decide, hey, all of them would go to Jacob and Laban would be disappointed. Jacob would have all of them, or the greater portion of them, like Ben Melek tells us. Now, the verse says, And if he said, Thus the ring straight shall be thine hire. So, when Laban would see that the cattle only gave birth to the speckled, he would change his mind. He would decide that it would not be the speckled, or the brown. Only the ring straight, right? The verse says, Then bear all the cattle ring straight. So, then Laban would, would fix on to whatever that color was. That's Jacob's wage. Because he would assume, hey, that color is where God is. Let's keep going now. Stay with me. Verse 9. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. <laughs> Jacob tells him, right? He says, Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father. Now, he doesn't mean all of them. Remember, remember what we read earlier. He only got the larger portion, right? Sure, his share would have gotten smaller over time because of, because of this, right? And more than I'm sure Laban had ever dreamed. Okay? So he says, and gave them to me gave them to me think about this everything around us belongs to god he's the one who created it all of it he's the one who gives it to whoever he wants even though jacob had had used everything that he could think of every method that he knew he still gives all the credit to god that's what we're reading here amen he says that god Gave him the idea which method he should use. I mean, to a certain extent, all of these statements are true. Right? Jacob just withheld a few details concerning what he did during the watering. In a way, it is possible. Right? Because if God had not gave him the plan, there was no way it would have worked. And... We also know that God promised Jacob that he would bless him, right? And he did. Now, as, we, as I said earlier, Laban had also been blessed because of the overflow. God blessed Jacob so much that the overflow went to Laban. God could certainly have arranged for these animals to be born with the markings that were agreed on. So yes, the statement's true. We just read that Jacob is trying to justify what he did to his wives. So let's go to verse 10 now. And it came to pass at that time that the cattle conceived 
that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straight, speckled, and grizzled. Let's talk about this just a little bit more. It says, And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived. Now, if you remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, about how how they would breed twice a year. So, was this in the spring? I don't know. Was it in the fall? We have no idea, and we'll never know, because it doesn't say here. Now, what we read here was probably at the beginning of that six years. Or maybe it was before Laban and Jacob had even made the deal. Okay? We see that it was an instruction on how to make the deal. Because the verse says, I lifted up mine eyes and I saw in a dream. A dream. He means it was a vision at night. The verse says, And behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. So he's saying that because of this particular vision, <clears throat> he understood that it meant that the cattle would give birth to babies that would also be like the rams, ring straight. And that that is why he made the agreement with Laban. Now remember, Laban's rams were white. So he knew that it did not mean the rams were that color. And that's why he knew that the cattle would bring forth ring straight babies. As far as him doing those rods, <laughs> I don't see how this vision even gave him that instruction. We also see how other colors are mentioned here as well, don't we? Because we see grizzled. Now, grizzled means spotted. We didn't see that color even mentioned, did we? And see, spotted would mean like being hit with a hailstone because that's a different type of speckled. Because speckled is white with black spots, whereas grizzled or, or, or spotted is black with white spots. I know I'm being picky, but it is different, right? So, anyway, let's go to verse 11. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And we see that right there at the start, we see this whole thing where it says, And the angel of God spoke unto me in a dream. <laughs> I'm sure I do not need to say this, but I will try anyway. This is the same dream we just read about. And this angel here is the same as we see called the angel of the Lord. And if you've been following me long enough, you know who I think this is, right? This is not some created angel. This is the eternal one, the son of God, who, who, and who is called God after this. The same one that Jacob makes his vow to. Which shows us that this is not an angel, because this is God. And Ben Melek also agrees here. Now, I like this part, this part right here. The verse says, saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. This is kind of one of those moments, right, where someone calls you out, right, and you say, I'm right here, right? The angel called out to Jacob, and Jacob answers. This shows he's ready to do whatever God tells him to do. 
Verse 12 now. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. So it starts off with, And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see. We know, or we should know, <laughs> that this is all in that vision. Jacob was still dreaming. But it was so imprinted on his mind that he was he was spoke to and he told and he was told to look take notice right the verse says and the rams that leap upon the cattle are ring streaked speckled and grizzled this assured him this is what those ewes would give birth to and that this is what you know he should agree to for Laban to hire him right and it gives us the idea that there had been some length of time between the dream here and him agreeing to uh, what what the wages that uh, he would him and Laban would discuss sure you you could say that it was unclear sure this could have been after a, the bargain was even made okay but either way he had the assurance Right? That God endorses what he set out to do. It's successful. Right? And then the verse says, For I have seen all that Laban doeth to thee. You see, God saw the way that Laban was treating Jacob. He saw how how Laban tricked him. He made him work for 14 years to get his wives. And remember, he did not pay him. No, he didn't. Laban, he took advantage of Jacob. Jacob was modest. Laban, he used it to get him to fix his own wages. I believe that he had some clue Jacob would uh, undercut himself and that he would ask for less than what Jacob would have even offered to him. So go to verse 13 now. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Right there, do you see that? Look at that verse right there, because the angel tells him, he says, I am the God of Bethel. Right there. He says, it says the angel of God identifies himself as the Lord. He tells Jacob, right? He tells him that, that he tells him about that encounter that we saw back in verse 28. The same angel that appeared to Jacob in a dream back then, at the beginning of his six years, comes to him now at the close of it, telling him that he is the God of Bethel, meaning the God who appeared to him at Bethel. That's how Ankelos and Jonathan both paraphrase the words here. You see, you have two different versions, or I'm sorry, two different visions, the one concerning the rams, and the, the diff, uh, and the different colors. And then this one. They're being told together because they both are concerning the same thing, the same affair. Let's keep going here. The verse says, Where thou anointedst the pillar, and where thou vowed a vow unto me. I feel it's very important that we go back and we, we reread that again. And then we look at Genesis chapter 28, Verse 19 and 20. Where thou anointedst 
the pillar and where thou vowed a vow unto me. So then we go back, verse or chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on. Let me reiterate this. This is signifying the divine approval of Jacob. Naming Bethel. And not only that, but also what he did there. And him believing in the promise that was made. Okay? The verse then says, Now arise, get thee out from this land. Meaning out of the land, right? Mesopotamia. Or if you prefer, some people do, Syria. Not only that, but also out of Haran, which is where he's at right now. The verse goes on to say, And return unto the land of thy kindred, being Canaan, right? Which is where he was born, as well as where his family is. Again, we can tell that this is at the close of those six years. Because of what you know what's being said. Because Jacob must be thinking, Finally! Right? Now, God's telling him that, he can go home. He can go home to his family. God's God has showed Jacob how to increase his flocks. He's God is, God is mad at, at Laban. He reminds Jacob of his oath at Bethel. What we read here is Jacob just saying, you know, what I should say, telling his wives about all of this so that there's no trouble with them. You know, because they're going to be leaving their homeland. You'll see as we move on that the wives, they have no problem with it. There was no ties to bind them. They also agree with God, you know, with God intervening. So let's look at verse 14. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Wow. Notice. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him. I believe that they're answering him one after the other. They're agreeing, right? Now, is it possible that Rachel is answering for both of them? And the only reason I say that is because her name comes first. And sure, sure. I say, I say that because we see in the Targum of Jonathan that it says that Rachel answered with the consent of Leah. And we read that they say what? It says, is there any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? They're his children. They should expect to have a children's portion given to them. But you see, when you look at the attitude of Laban, the way that they, they, they their marriage, right? And even since then, he most likely would, wouldn't have given them anything. Right? 
he would probably have just kept it all for himself. Maybe he, he would have given it to his sons. Right? They're basically showing Jacob here that they were more than willing to just leave. Leave their father's home and go wherever Jacob went. They knew that there was nothing here for them. Now look at verse 15. And we are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. We spoke about this earlier. Look at what they said. Are we not accounted of him strangers? Laban never treated them like his children. He didn't. He didn't even treat them like freeborn people. More like they were foreigners to him. Like foreigners that he had captured during a war. Or some, you know, or some person that he bought. Maybe like they were born of, a, of, of women like that, maybe. So, he had the right to sell them. The verse then says, for he hath sold us. No, don't forget, technically he did. He technically sold them to Jacob for 14 years of service. Like they were his slaves. He didn't give them dowries, right? The verse then says, and hath quite devoured also our money. Meaning what he got from Jacob, right? Because Jacob, Jacob had been serving him, so all the money he got, he never gave them a portion of it. He spent it all on his sons, and the daughters, they didn't get anything. Verse 16. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours, and our children's now then. Whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. The wives continue on, don't they? They say, for all the riches which God hath taken from our father, he gave them to Jacob in payment for labor, right? The verse goes on to say, that is ours and our children's. It was theirs by the law of nature, right? It had been passed into Jacob's hands in payment for his labor and services. So it does not bother them that, hey, he took it, right? They go on to say, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. They're telling him very wisely, I might add. Let's go home to Canaan. Like God had told him to do. And that they were willing to go with him. I love this because it shows that Jacob's wives support him fully. Bear in mind though that they said it themselves. Their father sold them to Jacob. So in a way you could say he owes them, right? Their father had taken everything that he got from them and gave them nothing. If you pay attention to their words, they're even saying that what Jacob had taken from Laban did not even belong to him anyway. It belonged to him. They felt that God did what was right. And when he took their, you know, their worth from Laban and he gave it to Jacob. So verse 17 Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives on camels. It says that then Jacob rose up. So he, he got up in the morning. He went over to Laban's house where his children must have been. And I say this because of what we read in verse 19 about uh, Rachel's theft. So keep that in mind because the verse says, 
and set his sons and his wives upon camels, meaning his own camels. These camels would have been fit for him and his family to travel on. And he sets his wives and children on them. And by wives, I mean both Rachel and Leah, as well as those concubines, because they're his wives too, remember? Bilhah and Zilpha. Because we find out later in chapter 33 that they also were with him, right? Now the verse tells us, and his sons. But I think that this should say his children, because we do know that not all of them were sons. He also had a daughter, right? All of them were young. His oldest was Reuben, and he could not have been much older than 12 at this time. We also know that Joseph would have been about 6. So let's look at verse 18. And he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padan Aram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. This verse starts off by saying, and he carried away his cattle. This would include all of them, his sheep, his camels, his asses, all of it. If you look at the Jewish writings, okay, we see that he had over 5,500 head of cattle. <laughs> right? Now, the verse goes on, and all the goods which he had gotten, meaning all of his other stuff. That would have included his men servants, his maidservants, his gold, his silver, whatever else he had, right? And then the verse says, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padan Arama, which means Mesopotamia, okay? Now, I point this out to make sure that you understand he only took what he owed, owned, Nothing that belonged to Laban. The verse then says, For to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. Now don't make a don't make a mistake here. It it, it would be a long time before he even gets to his father. He he stopped and he lived in um several different places before he got there. Again, can I point out that we see no mention of Rebecca? at all and i think that maybe she had died by this point so we can gather that jacob he slips away while La while laban's least expecting it i think he did this because he expected some trouble because laban if laban knew what he was going to be doing either either that or maybe he thought that laban would you know try to talk him into staying because i believe that jacob expected there would be a fight and he didn't want that, all right? So he just kind of slips away like smoke rings in the dark to keep down trouble, right? Canaan always held a call on the men of God, and it would one day be inherited by his ancestors because it is the promised land. So go to verse 19. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her fathers we see laban he he gets to work the verse the verse actually starts off with and laban went to shear his sheep now the sheep at this time were being taken care of by the sons of laban which were you know <coughs> about three days journey from jacob's flock so this here makes it very easy for jacob to just leave with his family and his stuff because like i said 
he was far away from Laban and his sons. Now the verse tells us Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. We later see the, these images called gods. Now these images were things that he would pray to, treating them like idols. These were some kind of uh, penance or some kind of a household god. Okay, the Hebrews we we see them called uh, when in, well, I should say in Hebrew we see them called teraphim. Let's look at some verses here. We got several to look at here. Second uh, Kings twenty three twenty four. Second Kings twenty three twenty four says Moreover the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josh, Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah their priest found in the house of the Lord. And then if we go to Ezekiel, we'll look at 20, chapter 21, verse 21. For the king of Babylon stood at the parting of the way at the head of the two ways to use divinations he made his arrows bright he consulted with images he looked in the liver these things are, are of all different kinds of shapes and sizes um, generally they were like nude goddesses who had uh, <laughs> accentuated features they signaled protected for someone or, or or for the inheritance rights and sometimes it said that they would guarantee fertility now you would you would think that during these 20 years of being together that she would have learned better right being Jacob's wife but if she believed in them you know been so superstitious or an idolater I don't think she would have done what she does when we get to verse 34. I like to think that I agree with Jarky when he says, because you know, what he says is that she did this to wean her father away from idol worship so that she could convince him that these images were not gods. There's also the possibility, okay, that she thought that by doing this, Jacob would be recognized as uh, the, he the head of the household after Laban died. No matter how you look at it, though, it is a terrible sin to steal. But not only that, Rachel was carrying a false god along with her as well. Think about this. This is the first mention we get of Laban as an idolater. Doesn't it make better sense why God allowed Laban to lose so many animals to Jacob now that we see this. Anyway, 
This is why we later see God is angry with Rachel. So let's go to verse 20 now. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian in that he told him not that he fled. So Jacob stole away unawares to Laban, meaning he left without Laban knowing about it. Jacob was, he was too cunning for Laban. <laughs> Even with all of his astrology, all of his superstitions, all of that stuff. He didn't see this coming though, did he? You see, Syrians are addicted to astrology and superstition. They think it gives them foresight. I also saw where some think that this means that he stole away the heart of Laban, meaning the things he had in his heart, right? Not his gods, meaning the ones Rachel stole away, not his daughters, who, who he doesn't even seem to care about, but the cattle and the goods that Jacob took with him. Those, those are what his eyes and his hearts are set on. He hopes that he could have them for himself. For himself. One way or another, right? I think what I said makes more sense, though, doesn't it? That he stole away without knowledge. And I believe that's what this means. In fact, the verse makes it clear. Because it says, and that he told him not that he fled. He didn't even tell him he was planning on leaving. Like I said, I think he did this out of fear of what Laban would do. He didn't show the courtesy that he had done before. No, he just quietly drifts away at the right time. This was not some simple, peace out. No, this was Jacob and all of his entourage just leaving. One of the reasons that I think that he was afraid of what Laban would do was because of how gruff Laban was, right? And it was filled with enough hostility for Jacob to think, hey, there's going to be some kind of retaliation here. So he did what he had to do. He escaped the way that he, you know, he, he, had, he just left. Verse 21. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face towards the Mount Gilead. So he fled with all that he had. All that he had. That is, of course, being his wives, his children, his cattle, everything he owned. Right? And then we see, and he rose up and passed over the river. When you look at the Targum of Jonathan, Jonathan, it tells us that this was the river Euphrates, which, of course, is between Mesopotamia and Canaan, <coughs> which is the area that is south of Galilee, to the east of the Jordan River. The verse then says, And set his face towards the Mount Gilead. So, as he traveled, he set his course that way. That's the way he headed. He was going that way. Because the Mount Gilead was the mountain on the border of the land of Canaan. It, it, its neighbors, Lebanon, which was a very fruitful country, got its name from that. Anyway, it's called Gilead in anticipation for the name that we're about to see it given. Because, you know, the heap of stones that would be laid there as a witness, if you will, of an agreement between Laban and 
Jacob. The mountain would later be known as the way home to Canaan. It's neat that the Sea of Galilee on the other side of is near Jordan. <laughs> All right, verse 22. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. Now, did you get that? It had been three days before Laban even found out they left. Before he was even told. We don't know for sure, though. It, it, it could have been a neighbor. It could have been one of his servants that decided to stay. Either way, the flocks that he went to go, you know, go shear... That was three days away from Jacob. There was no way for him to find out any sooner. Now, I'm sure you remember from last week, we discussed how large an area this was. And I said there was no way for Laban to find out any sooner, okay? Their cattle was, was spread out over a very great distance. So Laban, he, he had one good head start, I should say, on Laban here. So... Let's go to verse 23. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. Do you see how long it took Laban to catch up? It says seven days' journey. Remember, Laban is just Laban is just him and a band of people. They're not burdened down with, you know, possessions, animals. This shows us just how hard Jacob and his people were marching. They're, mov they're motivated by fear. These seven days, this is not speaking of when Jacob departed. This is talking about seven days that, you know, remember, Laban had been three days away, right? So when you add that, Jacob had been traveling for six days before Laban and his men they set off to for, for Haran. So if you add that all up, Ben Garin, he says that Jacob had been traveling for 13 days at this point. Laban, he could, of course, like I said, travel faster because he's not slowed down because he's not driving cattle. So we see that he, he overtakes him at Mount Gilead, which is said to be over 380 miles away from Haran. Verse 24 now. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. <coughs> Look at what God tells Laban here. He says not to speak to Jacob. It says, Take heed, either good or bad. Again, God is sovereignly protecting Jacob, just like he did Abraham, just like he did Isaac, preventing anyone from harming him. Laban is warned. He's warned not to use anything in the full range of options, from the good to the bad. This keeps him from bringing Jacob back. Verse 25 now. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. So Laban overtook Jacob. He made it to the mountain at night, and then he came to them in the morning. He wanted to talk to him. 
Because the verse says, Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. They were both on the same mountain. I believe one was probably at the top, and the other one was probably at the bottom. Now, or you could say maybe one on one hill, one on the other. Either way it went, they were both there. Verse 26. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? And Laban said unto Jacob. So we know by this time that the two men meet up. Could have been somewhere between the two tents, for all we know. Okay? The verse goes on to say, What hast thou done? He's asking him what evil he committed. What folly he was guilty of. What could have caused him to take steps like this? And this tells us that Laban saw no reason for him to have done something like this. Remember what he said back in verse 20? He asked him, That thou hast stolen away unawares to me. He says, My daughter is captives. Isn't this an odd statement? Because this seems to suggest that he didn't think that his daughters would have agreed to leave. <laughs> that he must have taken them under duress because it says and carried away my daughters as captives taken by the with the sword you know robbers would of course do this they would plunder their neighbors or whoever and carry away their wives and their daughters so laban he represents jacob this way as a thief as a robber that not only had jacob you know stolen from him but he also taken away his goods and even as false gods, and of course carried away his daughters against their will. All of these, all of these claims are false, especially the later one, right? The daughters had, had left on their own. They, they, they decided to go with him. It was with full consent, right? We then see in the next couple of verses, we see Laban, he protests. He says that he had the right to arrange a send-off party, if you will. For his family, he, he uses this to rebuke Jacob for his uh, his thoughtful thoughtlessness. Verse 27. Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me, and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabrets and harp? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me? He's acting like he would have been okay with him leaving if he had only just told him about it. Also, you know, why he was leaving. So he's saying that there was no reason to sneak away, if you will, like a thief, like, like he did something embarrassing. The verse then says, And didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and, and with songs, with tabret and harp. Again, he's pretending. He's pretending that he would have just allowed him to leave. Like he would not have, like he would have not, not only would he have dismissed him from service in an honorable way, but he would have done it with cheer and pleasantry. He would have uh, gotten together the band, right? And had music and singers, and they would have played music and tabrets and harps. So they would, they would have thrown a party, a concert, if you will, that would have had singing and music. A way of showing, hey, he's leaving on good terms. Now, I cannot speak to the fact that this is 
or is not some kind of a custom from the time. It, but the way that this is spoken of, it just seems it just seems odd. Think about it. When was the last time you had a friend or a relative leave and there was not some kind of grief and tears? Right? D does this not show how, how carnal-minded Laban is? He had such little sense of religion. And, and he's acting in a way that's very hypocritical. I can point out that he does not seem to remember that he sold his daughters to Jacob. He had no right to them at all. Anyway, he's saying in this verse that he would have thrown a party for them if he had known they were leaving. But really, would he? Would he really have allowed them to leave? Or would he have tried to stop them? You know? So, verse 28. And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. And starts off right there. And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. He's saying that Jacob didn't even allow him to say goodbye, which was would have been done with a kiss, like it is sometimes today. Um, I'm sure I do not have to give you another reason on why. But when he says son, he actually is speaking of his grandsons, okay? In fact, the Targum of Jonathan, we see him say, my daughter's sons. And of course, his daughters would have been, you know, Rachel and Leah. And then also you had Dinah, his granddaughter. He says, thou hast done foolishly in so doing. He, he, he would have Jacob believe that, you know, he was a loser by this particular step that he took. As well as, uh, expo you know, excusing himself to, you know, to danger. Exposing himself to danger. Remember, Laban had the opportunity to kill him if he wanted to. But, I think Jacob knew what he was doing. And, he was the wisest one in this argument, right? He's following the direction of God. Now, let's go to verse, verse 29. It says, It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your fathers spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Right there at the beginning. It's in my power, right, to do you hurt. All of them. Jacob, his wives, his children, his servants, all of them. Because no, you know, none of them would be able to stand against Laban and all these men that he brought with him. That's why the Targum of Jerusalem paraphrases it this way. I have an army and a multitude, a large force, which Jacob could not withstand. Laban had a high opinion of himself, of his, his superior power, his strength. He's saying Jacob would not have been able to escape him. The verse then goes on to say, But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, meaning the night before or the other night uh, that's the way we would say it right it, it had not been long ago <laughs> of course we know that by father he could mean either isaac his father father or abraham his grandfather because god was the lord of both of them he's the one that came to laban and told him 
this right here also strengthens our knowledge that yes, yes, Laban was an idolater. He adhered to the gods of his grandfather, Terah, the one that Abraham departed, the one Laban showed respect to. This tells us that he indeed allowed the religion of his, uh, or followed, I should say, the religion of his ancestors. Even though he never calls him his own god, we see him show reverence to him. He was influenced by his speech. He says, saying, take heed that thou spake not to Jacob either good or bad. This would mean a lot as far as honoring Jacob, but... It was, for, it was for sure against Laban's interest here, wasn't it? He couldn't keep it to himself. I have no doubt that in his mind, it showed him to be more powerful than Jacob. If he had not been restrained by the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Verse 30 now. And now though thou wouldst need be gone, because thou sore longest after the father's house, yet therefore hast thou stolen my gods. Notice, once again, wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? He's wanting to return, he, him wanting to return home to Canaan excuses him for leaving without notice. But it doesn't excuse his theft of the teraphim. Laban is, he, he, his thorough search for this idol once again shows us how important they were to him that he was a pagan worshiper and again let me say that he is in fact giving a good argument here and hey he didn't lie he would have put hands on Jacob if God hadn't intervened again I want to point this out he calls God Jacob's God not his Laban, he worships these false gods, the ones made by the hands of men. He tells Jacob, even if you had to go, why did you steal my gods? And again, good question. Jacob doesn't need them. God was not made by human hands, was he? All right, so I think we're going to end here on verse 31. Um, verse 31 says, And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid. For I said, peradventure, thou wouldst take by force thy daughters from me. Last verse for the day, like I said. <laughs> we see Jacob answer, right? He says, and J the verse says, And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. He shows him that he was afraid that if he told him, he would have done everything he could to stop him. He, he would also have tried to stop his daughters from leaving as well. And he would have taken his cattle. But of course, he doesn't mention the cattle, okay? Now, is this not a reasonable fear for Jacob to have? He came here to find a wife. He stayed here for 20 years under the selfish compulsion of Laban. He says, for I said, was this to himself? Did he say it to his wives? I don't know. But then we read, Peradventure thou would take by force thy daughters from me. His wives, Laban's daughters, belonged to Jacob. 
Yes, they were Laban's daughters, but they were Jacob's wives. And now that they were given to him in marriage, they belonged to him by right. He was allowed to take them with him. Also, Laban, he had no right to detain them. All right? That was what Jacob was afraid would happen. If, if it had been done, right, it would have been done by force. Because, just like we saw, they wanted to leave with him. And we see Laban charge Jacob with, in leaving with his wives, he would have done, he, he would have used force. And we know that Jacob had every reason to flee, right? Jacob, he knew what Laban had been paid, you know, he, he knew what Laban would do, right? He knew that even though Laban had been paid for his daughters, he would take them. And all of those goods, he would take those too. Why? Because Laban is not an honorable man. Now, next week we'll continue along and we'll finish this, uh, we'll finish this chapter up. Um, so I want to thank you all for joining me here. It's always a joy and a pleasure to uh stand up here every week and uh and and go over the word of god with you all um it's i love each and every one of you and i I pray you guys continue and again guys if you don't already go follow the podcast there's so much more over there that i know you would all enjoy it's it's um I, i i i talk about so many different subjects that i know you're all interested in. I know you would love to hear. So thank you all for joining me here again. I pray the Lord continues to bless you and keep you. And guys, by the way, um, we have the shirts. If you go over on my Facebook, I share pictures of them all the time. Um, my friend Myron, he he makes them. The latest one I had a hand in, it says, read the Bible. Read is in red, the Bible, and it's, a, it's got a picture of a Bible. And on the back, it has the famous quote at the beginning, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse breakdown. Uh he sells those for like I think twenty five dollars. Um, I had a hand in making this newest one, and I think you'd like it. Um, so if you go on my Facebook, look for Myron and click on his name, and you let him know you want one. He gets all the money; I get nothing for it. It's not it has nothing to. It's just a way for you to show support for the podcast by wearing that around. People see it and they'll ask questions. So, uh, thank you all for joining me here again. Like I said, I, I love each and every one of you, and I pray the Lord continues to bless you and keep you. And I'll see you all here next week for an all new Sermons in the Park. Thank you, and God bless you. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.